According to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another, two, to another, one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew that you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went out and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter. Should you not have them put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. So just to help us understand the parable a little bit easier, I want to give a few historical facts to ground us. A talent of course, the way we use the word now is it's an ability, a power, a capacity. You know, I could say Rebecca's good at, uh, has a talent for playing the piano or singing, or Jimmy has a talent for 
numbers. He's good at calculating math in his head or whatever the case may be. Somebody's a good athlete. They're very talented. That word talent is not obviously what the scripture specifically means here, but it is actually this particular parable is where that word comes from. So the word that we use in modern English for talent is, is actually it comes from this parable. That's where we get the word. Ability, power, etc. The talents that are being referred to here, of course, are they're actually wealth. So a talent was a massive sum of money. It was, it was literally about 700, it was over 750 pounds of precious metal. Uh, regular, it, generally, it was silver. And so you could just imagine this giant 750 pounds worth of silver. Um, that's what we're talking about here. That was equal to or equivalent to 20 years worth of wages. So when we're talking about giving somebody one talent, the master gives one talent to one of his servants, he gives five talents to the one that he gives the most to, we're talking about a tremendous amount. That's, the guy who gets five is getting 100 years worth of wages. So the master is entrusting a lot. And, and we're meant to see that. That there is a huge amount of trust being placed in the hands of the servants. So one of the themes of the parable is God wants us to trust his trust in us. It's kind of confusing, so I'll say it again. God wants us to trust, not necessarily our own abilities, but his trust in us. Meaning, if God gives us certain difficulties to deal with in life, we should trust that we can do those things with him. God wants us to trust what he has given us, both sufferings, difficulties, and also the growth in virtue. We're all capable of becoming great saints. 10 out of 10 saints. Like the saints that we read about in our own tradition. Past 2,000 years were the saints. None of us is excluded with that. We hear this line here in the parable. A man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five, to another he gave two talents, and to a third one, one. Each according to his own ability. Each according to his own ability. Now, the point that one of the, another point of the parable that's being communicated is it's not so much the number of talents, it's what the person does with the talents that are given to them. What are they doing with the talents themselves? So the master's trying to get the servants to participate in his life. So he gives them this huge responsibility. God gives us, and we should not be shocked or scandalized, as people often are, over the great evil with which human beings are capable of doing. We also simultaneously should not be surprised 
at the absurd capacity for good that human beings have. On the two scales, so here I'm talking about, remember, 100 years worth of wages or uh, 40 years worth of wages or 20 years worth of wages, etc. So think about the great saints, somebody like Mother Teresa or Padre Pio. Those are two saints I mentioned because they're within the past 100 years. Mother Teresa just every single day serving the most destitute, um, difficult people to serve. And, and overflowing with joy. We're reminded of what Jesus says here. Come, share in your master's joy. This almost supernatural capacity that she had, where she's so close with God that she sees people in a different way. It's not a drag for Mother Teresa to serve the poor. She loved it. She was so conformed to God. She was participating so much in the life of God, which the Master wants for his servants here, which is the point of the Christian life, to participate in the life of God, that she loved it. She loved those people with the heart of God himself, and it was overflowing. On the opposite end, remember I was talking about the scandal that some people have at the evil. Father, how can a God exist who allows Adolf, an Adolf Hitler to come into power and to um, torture and uh, the, uh, the evil that he uh, promulgated? Um, how, could, how could God allow, a good God, allow that to exist? God gives us a lot. 750 pounds of precious silver. God gives us a lot. He entrusts us with a lot. We can use that trust for self-focus, to feed our own egos, to feed ourselves. Or we could get out and get after it in serving God and serving those that God has given us. That's what the first two servants do. They get busy immediately is the word that's used. Immediately the first servant got out and he got moving. The third guy who has the one talent, he's self-focused. He's in himself. He's living in this, um, this place where the master is a tyrant. God is a tyrant. I should fear him. I'm going to bury this. I'm going to just kind of dig myself into my own little trench and just live here. The other two gain interest. Um, the idea of compounding interest is not just an economic idea. Jesus likes to use, and Matthew, who wrote this, probably, who was one of Jesus' 12 apostles, was, we remember his role? He was a tax collector. So he likes the economic. He, he probably really resonated when Jesus was using an image to describe the kingdom of God and God's life. Jesus uses economic images uh, somewhat frequently. And so you could just imagine Matthew just being like, oh, I like that one. I'm going to make sure I, re I record that. And so Matthew records this image. And the compounding interest concept um, is, is very true in the spiritual life as well. And, 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 and how the, the doubling of the talents here happens over a long period of time. We know how interest compounds and builds over time. I remember that was a kind of a mind blower when I learned that as a young guy. 
You know, if you if when you when you have let's say a hundred dollars and you make ten percent on that hundred dollars and then that turns into hundred and ten dollars and then you make another ten percent on that hundred and ten dollars and this thing just gains a momentum to it and it's you start to make more and more uh, money if you can be savvy and smart and kind of put your money out there which is a risk right and the old kind of saying uh, the old kind of phrase is money makes money right if you have a lot of money a lot of money makes a lot of money if you don't have any money you're really going to struggle to get going for he who has more will be given for he who has not even what he has will be taken away and so we should understand that economic concept which is also a physical concept in many realms of the physical universe think about gravity and the gravitational law and how stars form and black holes etc this gravi gravity gains gravity gains gravity and then all of a sudden everything kind of gets sucked into it right and so this is also true of the moral life with good and evil with making choices to follow the enemy and his promptings and choose selfishness and ego or on the opposite end to choose god and to choose service of others in the spiritual life. And so, as we begin whatever good thing it is that we're trying to do, we're heading into the new church year, which uh, starts in two Sundays. The first Sunday of Advent is the first year of the church's year. And then January 1st, we have the, the new calendar year. A lot of people start to come up with these ideas, you know, I want to do this, I'm going to restart this, I'm going to start a new habit here. We've all done this before we know how difficult it is at the beginning to start a new habit very 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 difficult that's because there's there's no momentum in the beginning there's no as the image in the parable suggests there's no there's no interest and so there's no weight to the movement and so you start this thing it's very difficult it's just like very tiring if you think about something it's just a very simple example would be starting to change our diet the way that we eat you know, you have sugar every day, and that's a part of your life, and then all of a sudden you try to cut out sugar, those first couple days are agony. The same thing goes with exercise. You start to put exercise in your day, and we all know where our minds go when we start to do that. Okay, maybe we have a little bit of steam in the first couple days, and then all of a sudden it's like we start to think of all the reasons that we just can't do this. But then, if we do follow through with it, you look back about... 21 days and it's like okay starting to feel a little bit better look back a couple months a lot easier to spend those half an hour or whatever it is in exercise and then you look back a year and you're like this is a part of my life i love this i don't want to live without this that of course is the case in the spiritual life start praying the rosary one day we start dedicating 20 minutes to scripture i, I have had so many people tell me this, especially with praying scripture daily, spending their 20 minutes of meditation a day. It's just, it's, it's impossible for them to believe that they lived a life where they weren't doing this in the past. Because all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, you don't really notice that big of a difference, maybe. It's kind of a grind. I'm not feeling anything. I'm not getting anything out of this. Right? And then you look back a year after successfully just doing the discipline. And all of a sudden, it's like you start to see God everywhere. And it's just blatantly obvious 
how God is working, how He's answering prayers, how He's a part of my life, how He's helping me to do things. It's the compounding of interest. It builds on itself and it builds on itself and it starts to gain a momentum. The same thing happens with bad habits. The same thing happens when we choose evil. It's very simple advice to just say, avoid the evil, do the good. Very simple to say that. Obviously very difficult to do, but it is kind of the truth of our life. Um, and, and God will help us with His grace. This works in the sacraments. And um, the final thing I'll say here is just the point of the parable is that we share in the life of the Master. God wants us to share His own life. That is the, the point of the Christian life, of the Catholic life, is not to be a good person. That's a, a bit of a heresy. The point of us being here is not to be a good person. The point, the point is to share in the life of God. We'll become a good person along the way, but we're called, God became a human being so that human beings could become God. That's what the church fathers say. We receive the Eucharist from the altar. The Eucharist transforms us and makes us more into the image of God. God wants us to participate in his life. All of us have the capacity. There is no one who is excluded from that. God gives to each according to his own ability. Lord, we ask you to bless us and help us to take advantage of the grace that you give us on a, on a daily basis. Help us to share in your life to not live insular, self-focused lives as the third, the third servant did. Help us to flourish. Help us to live into what we were called to live into, for our lives to be continual growth. So as we look back years, we see that you have blessed us that you are adding interest upon interest as we continually go out and we give ourselves to you, we serve you, and we serve those that you have given us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts. <clears throat>